You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. It is Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021, people. And I'll tell you this, it is not often that I open a show talking college basketball in September over college football, but a little bit of a quiet week in college football. There are some things to get to, but we will start with college basketball. Derek Lively, the number two player in America, big seven foot two center high school star uh, I think he is the type of player sometimes these guys are overrated they don't have the impact that you expect Derek Lively is not one of those guys he is a going to be a star in college basketball next year he has made his commitment he has chosen Duke we will talk about the commitment we'll talk about my boy John Shire I was wrong on John Shire, who continues to recruit uh, even in the as he gets set for the post-Coach K era. And I know some of you say, well, Coach K is still there. We'll get into all that. Uh, and we'll also talk a little bit about Kentucky, the school that Derek Lively chose Duke over, what this means for them, where they go next in terms of not only the front court, but their entire recruiting class. Uh, from there, we'll take a quick break. We will come back. The 2022 SEC football schedules came out on Tuesday night uh, not a ton to break down but some quick reactions to those SEC schedules and from there finally we will wrap with where Aaron was right where Aaron was wrong America's favorite segment where I basically just poke fun at myself because I suck at a lot of different things no I'm just kidding but I, I you know I love to pat myself on the back when I get stuff right but I also have to take the walk of shame when I do get some stuff wrong and so we will kind of recap there talk about a bunch of different topics where Aaron was right where Aaron was wrong quick little show don't think this will be a, a super long hour plus show but we will have some fun and get out of here with that said people let's get to the topic of the day and we are now here at the end of September and it's interesting because about a month ago uh, with the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast love to talk college football but you know I love to talk college hoops as well and as part of this show, you know, I, I said about a month ago, when Amani Bates committed to Memphis, I basically said, look, I love college hoops. I could talk this stuff 365 days a year, but I don't know that you guys care enough for me to talk about it really in the offseason. And I said, look, when we get close to the season, mid, late October, early November, 
we're going to jump two feet into college basketball. And there isn't a day that goes by in my life that I don't think about college basketball, that I don't talk about college basketball, that I don't talk to somebody who is involved in college basketball. But as it pertained to this show, I just did not know how much I would actually be talking about it. But I also made a solemn swear that when there was worthy news in college basketball, I would discuss it on the Aaron Torres podcast. And that is exactly what I'm going to do today. As this week, for the third time in three weeks, we got a top five high school recruit committing to play college basketball next year. These are players in the class of 2022, currently seniors. Uh, and two weeks ago, Shaden Sharp, the number one high school player in America, a guard originally from Canada who played the last couple of years in Arizona. He committed to Kentucky. Last week, Chris Livingston talked about him, number five player in America in most recruiting services. Uh, he is originally from Akron, Ohio, now playing at Oak Hill Academy. He committed to play at University of Kentucky. And this week, Derek Lively, Monday night, number two player in America, high school player, seven foot two, center, committed to, drum roll please, well, this week it wasn't as good to be a Kentucky fan as Derek Lively committed to Duke, choosing Duke essentially over the University of Kentucky. Uh, there were some other schools in the mix. Penn State, where Derek Lively's mother works, was a factor. There were some others, but this was essentially a Duke-Kentucky battle. And this one, the win goes to John Shire, the new head coach at Duke, who will take over for Coach K after the season and who will coach Derek Lively in the coming years. In 2022-2023 is really what I should say. Uh, in terms of Derek Lively, let me just say this. The kid is really special. And it's funny, right? Because, you know, one thing on this show, you guys know, I try not to just like crush high school and college kids, but I'll also tell you if I don't think somebody's not good. Uh, I'll tell you if I think, eh, you know, that kid's a little overrated, or I'll tell you, I don't really know what kind of difference that kid's ultimately going to make at the college level. I don't think he's that good. Uh, but there's also times where I'm like, this kid's really good. I said it about Cade Cunningham. Uh, I said it about Paulo Bancaro, who's at Duke now. And I'll say it about Derek Lively. I think Derek Lively is going to be a mega difference maker at the college level. And we all know that just because a kid is ranked really highly in the high school rankings, it doesn't always translate into college. But I think Derek Lively is the exception to the rule because he is so big, so unique, and his skill set is so you know conducive to dominating college basketball. The kid is seven foot one, seven foot two. I think he's about seven foot two, honestly. Um, he has an absurd seven nine wingspan, and so you already know he's going to be an elite rim runner. If you're a guard, all you got to do is basically throw it up somewhere near the rim, and he's going to dunk it. And he's also probably going to be, frankly, one of the best rim protectors in college basketball next year. Um, not to say that he doesn't have to gain weight, not to say that he doesn't have stuff to work on, but he is an elite rim runner. He is an elite rim protector. And I don't think he gets enough credit for the rest of the skill set, uh, the stuff that he does, as the kids say, the stuff in his bag, okay? Uh, he is an incredible passer for a guy his size out of the high post, out of the mid post, can obviously see over defenses, makes a lot of really smart plays. Um, you know, he is a great shooter. Uh, you know, he told my buddy, Jack, or excuse me, my buddy Jack Pilgrim from Kentucky Sports Radio, Jalen Duran, the number two player in last year's class who was in 2022 who reclassified, basically said, uh, you know, he's unlike any player, Derek Lively, that I've ever played with. And I truly believe that. And I truly believe that he will be a difference maker next year in college basketball. And if you're not, if you're not a Duke fan, you're going to hate hearing this. Um, I think he is the type of kid that is an all ACC first team, all American type first team player. Now, offensively, I'm not sold that he's going to be good enough 
to be like a national player of the year type guy. I don't think he's quite Cade Cunningham. I don't think he's quite Zion Williamson in terms of an ability to put an entire program on his back. But this kid is really, really, really good and a really, really, really important recruit for Duke. And so with that, let's kind of talk about the Duke aspect of this because, listen, i got to give credit where it's due. I thought Duke recruiting in basketball would take a major step back when Coach K announced his retirement and John Shire was picked as his successor uh, in the Duke basketball program. And I know what some people say, well, Coach K is still there. Well, Coach K is still recruiting. Well, Coach K is still doing all the work. And like, yes, Coach K is still technically the head coach of Duke basketball. Um, and yes, Coach K, I'm sure, has some role in recruiting these kids. I don't think that Coach K runs and hides from the room when these kids are on official visits, uh, you know, in the same way that I'm sure Roy Williams, uh, you know, he still pops his head in when Hubert Davis has a kid on campus, on and on and on and on and on. Um, so it's not as though Coach K played no role in this at all. But to say it's only because of Coach K, um, like, I think that's unfair. Now, I think it's fair to say that we're not really going to get a reflection of what kind of recruiter John Shire is until Coach K is fully out of the building, until he is fully retired, and frankly, until John Shire coaches a full year of college basketball. And so ultimately, we're really not going to see John Shire, how well of a recruiter he is relative to a coach, um, until really, frankly, the 2023-2024 season, the 2023-2024 recruiting class, because that is going to be the first class that has seen him coach games in a Duke uh, not a uniform, but as the Duke head coach. And so that's the first time that we're really going to see, is this guy an elite recruiter or is he riding Coach K's coattails? But I also think it's important to note, like we can't not give him any credit at all here either, right? Like, first of all, he has been the lead recruiter on many of the biggest commitments at Duke really over the last three, four, five years. Jeff Capel was the guy forever. Jeff Capel leaves for Pitt. But even when Jeff Capel was there, uh, John Shire played a role. John Shire was the kid that got Jason Tatum to commit. John Shire was the guy that got a bunch of other kids to commit. And he kind of took over as the lead guy when Jeff Capel left. Well, as I said, Paulo Bancaro, I think he's going to be the number, two, number one pick in next year's NBA draft. He was led, you know, the, the recruitment was led by John Shire. There are other guys on this roster and on last year's roster and the year before. Lead recruiter, John Shire. And so to just say, well, it's all Coach K. That is a discredit, it is, a, it is dishonest, and it is unfair to John Shire, who did a great job recruiting this guy, and this kid ultimately did commit to play for John Shire. I'd also add, by the way, he's not the first guy that committed to John Shire. As a matter of fact, this is what's been really impressive to me. John Shire has now received commitments from three five-stars, three top-ten players in the 24-7 composite rankings, uh, with Derek Lively being one of them. The first one is obviously Derek Lively, seven-foot-two setter, monster, I think he's the best player along with Shaden Sharp in this class by a country mile. Uh, also the number five player in the 24-7 composite, Dariq Whitehead, a little bit lower in the actual 24-7 rankings because, as I said, Chris Livingston is the number five player according to 24-7. But Dariq Whitehead, big power, six-foot-six wing, he committed to Duke. And then also Kyle Filipowski, six-foot-eleven, stretch four, kind of a similar skill set to Derek Lively, can step out, can stretch, can pass, can, is skilled. Um, all three of those guys committed to John Shire. And so part of this, yes, we do have to acknowledge. Coach K is still in the building. He still casts a large shadow. He still has his fingerprints over any, everything. But it's not as though these kids are committing to play for John Shire. And it's not as though him getting these commitments means nothing either. Finally, I do want to wrap on another angle on this, 
which is the Kentucky angle of it. Because a lot of Kentucky fans listen to this show, and a lot of Kentucky fans have asked me, Torres, is there anything we could have done different? How did he pick Duke? Why did he pick Duke? All that good stuff. And what I would simply say is this. Um, you know, a couple of things. First of all, I, I do think the new coaching staff, Orlando Antigua, Chin Coleman, along with John Calipari and Jay Lucas, have reignited recruiting. But what I would also say is that sometimes you do just lose recruits in recruiting when a really good player has a lot of really good options, and this kid happened to pick Duke. Now, in terms of the timing of this, I'll tell you this. I thought it was a bad sign for Kentucky when Derek Lively last week announced that he would be committing this week because I think all of the buzz, all of the belief was that Derek Lively was set to commit um, in the spring. He was going to be a a late commit. He wasn't going to commit in the early signing period, and he was going to be the cherry on top of the Sunday of whoever he committed to, whether it was Duke, whether it was Kentucky, whether it was to anybody else. That That was all the reports coming out. That was all the buzz. That was what everybody was led to believe, especially from Kentucky circles. And so when he ultimately decided a few days ago that he was going to commit now, I actually kind of took it as it probably isn't a great sign for Kentucky. And then on top of that, um, you also, uh, you know, there was buzz over the weekend. He announces on Friday that he'll be making a commitment. And by Monday, it felt like most people really felt like, okay, if I thought he was going to Kentucky, I do believe now that he is going to do. Um, On top of that, you know, I've heard some different stuff. You know, Kentucky is also recruiting another five-star named Adem Bona, six foot ten, a little bit of a different player, big, long, athletic, not quite as big, long, and athletic as Derek Lively, not quite as skilled as Derek Lively. And I've kind of heard that both camps weren't really excited about the idea of uh, Derek Lively and, and Adem Bona both being recruited and kind of each didn't want to play with the other. It's worth mentioning, by the way, another sign that it wasn't a good thing that Derek Lively, it wasn't a good thing for Kentucky that Derek Lively was making his college decision on Monday was on Sunday when it was reported by multiple people, including my buddy Dave Sisk from, uh, I think it's rivals.com, who basically said uh, Kentucky is out visiting Adem Bona tonight on Sunday, hours before Derek Lively committed. Doesn't feel like you'd uh, coach, uh, or excuse me, you wouldn't, you'd get on a plane and go see another big man if that was ultimately your decision, uh, or if Derek Lively was ultimately picking Kentucky, it does not feel like you would get on a plane to go see a Dembona. Doesn't mean it's a be-all, end-all. It just means that it probably doesn't make a ton of sense for you to fly cross-country to see another big man if another big man is committing to you the following day. So back to what I was saying a minute ago, um, you know, I've heard differing reports that the two camps weren't excited about playing with each other, that Derek Lively gave Kentucky an ultimatum. I don't know what's true and what's not true. What I would also say is it's pretty clear that Derek Lively is the best big man in this class. Um, and, and, you know, if Kentucky isn't planning on bringing in both of them, I don't buy the narrative that they refuse to back down from, uh, from, from recruiting a Dembona. Maybe that's possible. It's certainly in the cards. I don't know that I fully believe it, though. That was some buzz that I heard on Monday as the commitment kind of got close. I just think, look, the two sides, they kind of don't – I think both players weren't really super excited to play with each other. I think Derek Lively kind of knew I'm, I'm the center. I'm the focal point of Duke's uh, recruiting class. And I'd also mention if Derek Lively was that unhappy with playing with the Dembona, uh, you know, he just committed to Duke where Kyle Filipowski, who's a six foot eleven forward, is also committed to play. So not sure that I totally believe that. But at the end of the day, I don't think there is something that Kentucky could have done more. I just think that sometimes in recruiting – There's a lot of great options. There's a lot of great schools. And sometimes you choose a different school. And I think the thing that Kentucky can kind of hold their hat on 
the saving grace in this recruitment is, you know, it's not as though there was something, you know, nefarious isn't the right word, but they did what they could. Um, you know, uh, when James Wiseman commits to Memphis, everybody knows he only committed to Memphis because Penny Hardaway's his coach. If it wasn't for Penny Hardaway taking that job, uh, James Wiseman isn't going to Memphis. Cade Cunningham probably goes to Kentucky. They know they lose him to Oklahoma State. It's mostly because the older brother is an assistant coach at Oklahoma State. There's nothing you could do. This one, sometimes you just lose to another team. And so with Kentucky, I think now the focus turns to, turns to excuse me, this kid, Adem Bona. Six foot ten, plays a prolific prep. I've been up there. I know the coaching staff there. He will be really well coached this year. He was really well coached last year. I think he's going to be a really good player in college. I don't think he has the upside of Derek Lively. I'll be blunt. I don't think he is the uh, potential number one pick in the draft like Derek Lively is, but I think he could be a really good college basketball player in the SEC. And I also think in the transfer portal era, I don't think you have to worry all that much if you miss out on a kid that you don't want. And I think co college coaching staffs are kind of realizing this more and more. They get their priority guys. Um, you know, you have those four or five guys at Kentucky. It's a different caliber of player than say it is at Seton Hall or Providence or Purdue or whatever. And if you don't get the guys you want, guess what? There's going to be a million really good players in the transfer portal. And so the attention now, I believe, turns to a Dembona. Uh, Kentucky also very much likely will get a commitment very soon from another five-star guard named Kaysen Wallace. Kentucky does have to fill the backcourt as they have two senior guards that will be done after this year uh, in Davion Mintz and uh, Kellen Grady. Also, Ty Ty Washington very likely will be a one-and-done. But I bring this all up to say Kentucky is going to be fine. But at the end of the day, I just don't know that there was all that much that they could have done different. Derek Lively is headed to Duke, and he is a really, really, really good basketball player. By the way, uh, Derek Lively, not the only recruiting news here at the end of September. And I do expect for, for the kids that do plan on going to college basketball next year, and it appears as though with name, image, likeness, it's going to be most of the marquee guys. It does appear as though we are going to start to get a flurry of commitments here over the next couple weeks. Uh, first of all, Kaysen Wallace, I just said it, guard from Texas. I do expect him to end up at Kentucky in the coming days, or excuse me, the coming weeks. You know, he had originally said he planned to commit in November. I think that gets moved up a little bit from there. Uh, Dembona, kind of an interesting one. It kind of felt like a matter of if not when with Kentucky, but in the process of Kentucky waiting for a commitment from Derek Lively and kind of keeping Dembona at an arm's length away, it appears as though UCLA, my boy Mick Cronin, Big Mick energy over there in L.A. It appears as though they are making a move, and so that will be an eye, one to keep an eye on. And finally, I'll say this. Uh, top 10 prospect kid named Nick Smith Jr., who is from Arkansas, plays at North Little Rock High School. Um, he is going to commit next week on Thursday. I will have full reaction to that one when it happens. What I'll just say is this. He is from Arkansas, and he is committing in a public press conference in Little Rock. Uh, don't claim to be any type of recruiting insider. But this actually happened with Moses Moody a few years ago. Moses Moody, the SEC freshman of the year last year in college basketball. Uh, he was also from Little Rock. He was playing at Montverde Academy at the time. But Moses Moody basically said uh, that he was going to make his public decision. He was going to make a decision. He did it in public in Little Rock, and he chose Arkansas. And so I am far from a recruiting guru, but what I will tell you is this. It is not often that the guy that is the local guy makes a public decision where the public is welcome to join him and then picks anyone other than the local school. Nick Smith, really good. I think he's actually one of the most complete guards in this class. Had a little bit of an injury, but was really, really, really good this summer.
All right, with that said, what I want to do, take a quick break. I want to come back. We'll talk a little college football. 2022 SEC schedules are out. Then we will get to where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. And let me tell you, I've been really wrong on some stuff of late. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Aratora Sports Podcast. And I do want to transition. It was not a busy week in college football since I last spoke to you. Kind of just that midweek stuff that we always get this time of year. Injuries, uh, coach speak. We're kind of transitioning into conference play, so we get a little bit more of that. But for the most part, it's been pretty quiet. Uh, Charlie Brewer, by the way, announcing he's transferring, so we'll talk about that in where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. But one thing that did kind of come up this week that I do want to talk about, the SEC has released schedules for the 2022 season. So that's obviously next year. We got schedules for all 14 teams in the SEC in 2022. By the way, if you want to see every schedule for every team, they are available at Aaron Torres online. But what I want to do now is just kind of give you some quick, broad reactions to the SEC schedule release. To be clear, we are not going game by game, team by team, minute by minute, week by week, okay? I'm sure there is some podcast or radio show or website out there that is breaking down each individual schedule and trying to figure out, okay, Missouri, are they an 8-4 team or are they 7-5? Kentucky, let me tell you, week nine, that's a big one, October 22nd, Ole Miss. What do we make of Ole Miss going to Alabama in week 11? So we are not going to do that here on the Aaron Torres podcast, but instead what I want to do is I just want to hit you with four, five, six kind of big takeaways that I have from the schedule then we will get to where Aaron was right where Aaron was wrong and we will get out of here but let's get to some reactions as the SEC has released schedules for all 14 teams in the 2022 season that is of course next year the first one the era of Alabama playing marquee out-of-conference opponents on neutral sites is over okay Uh, this has been a complaint in college football circles for years people complain oh Alabama They play all these teams, but they only play them on neutral sites. I think it's a bunch of baloney. If you play good teams, I don't care where you play them. I'm just happy that you're playing them. And to Alabama's credit, they have played some really good teams in the out-of-conference early in the season. This year it was Miami. Uh, Last year there was no, obviously, no out-of-conference game. But a few years ago uh, it was Florida State, and Florida State was a top-five team at the time. They played Wisconsin in some years. They played USC in some years. They've played uh, Michigan. They played Virginia Tech. They played West Virginia. So they have played some really good teams. But the big complaint has been they never go on the road. They never play true road games in the out-of-conference. And I think the complaint has come from a lot of different areas. One, it has come, I think, from the fan base. The own Alabama fan base actually wants more marquee home-and-homes because they want to get more good games at Bryant-Denny Stadium, those season ticket holders. And then on the flip side... They do want to go to some of those iconic college football venues that maybe they haven't seen Alabama play in yet. And so starting in 2022, Alabama is officially headed on the road. Week two, they play at Texas. Now, the interesting subplot in this is that in theory, this could be a conference game in the SEC. I don't believe that it will be. Because, uh, you know, I've said from the beginning, I don't think the Big 12 is going to let Texas and Oklahoma out of their contracts a minute before they possibly can. 
because there's too much money to be lost by losing Texas and Oklahoma, and so they want to ride that financial gravy train as long as they can. I expect Texas and Oklahoma to be in the Big 12 until 2025, but there is a possibility that this game will be an SEC game. By that point, maybe we're at nine SEC games. But on the flip side, what I would also say, I do think it's good for college football. I think it's good that Alabama's going on the road, and the great news is Alabama in the foreseeable future, they are not playing these 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 neutral site games in Dallas and in uh, Atlanta and in Miami and in Orlando and in wherever they're playing true road and home uh, splits here right so first of all in 2023 and I know we're starting to look a little bit ahead they play Texas at home so you get the home and home back to back year to year with Texas then in 2024 they play at Wisconsin Wisconsin fans plan accordingly 2025 they actually play at Florida State in Wisconsin at home and starting 2025 and I know that's four years down the road Alabama actually plays two power five teams in the out of conference in addition to the SEC slate so Alabama loading up credit to them uh, really fun game there obviously I should mention by the way that will also be Sark versus Saban so that's kind of interesting as far as that dynamic is concerned but we will see if that ends up being an SEC game but for now Alabama to their credit playing at Texas in 2022 uh, from there some other marquee games in the out of conference this one is on a neutral site but Georgia or Oregon, Georgia plays Oregon in week one in Atlanta. And this might end up being one of the games of the year because Georgia, we know that recruiting uh, train ain't slowing down anytime soon. Uh, you could say many things about Kirby Smart, but one thing you cannot deny is that he is an elite recruiter. Now, some SEC fan bases would say how he recruits is a different question, but that's another conversation for another day. But Georgia's going to be really talented. Now, I still think 2021 is their national championship window. I think Kirby Smart knows that. I think he is put together his team with that in mind but 2022 uh, they do open at Oregon and I would also say with Oregon Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be gone I don't expect them to slow down Mario Cristobal another former Alabama assistant he has taken that Alabama recruiting blueprint to the west coast I don't believe he's interested in USC I don't believe he's leaving for USC I believe he will be at Oregon next year the only job I could actually see Mario Cristobal leaving for is the University of Miami where he played in the late 80s under I believe Jimmy Johnson and Dennis Erickson um, maybe he leaves for Miami but if Mario Cristobal is there Oregon is going to probably be the team to beat on the west coast and in the Pac-12 and I don't expect them to slow down in terms of how good they can potentially be next year. Other Marquiata Conference games, uh, LSU playing Florida State. What's obviously interesting about that one, could we see a scenario where LSU has a new head coach outside of Ed Orgeron, and then Florida State, I don't think it's going to happen, but could they have a new coach besides Mike Norvell? Florida State 0-3 for the first time, I believe, in school history. They host Louisville this weekend. They fall to 0-4. People are going to grow frustrated Really, really, really quick with Florida State. Final marquee out-of-conference game that's worth noting, Auburn. They will play Penn State at home in the return game next year for the game that we just saw on Saturday, which was a really, really, really awesome game. Some other takeaways. Speaking of Auburn, there were two teams that jumped out to me as having absurdly advantageous schedules to start the 2022 season one was Auburn. The other was Florida. We'll get to Auburn in a minute. Auburn plays, are you ready for this? Their first five games at home, Auburn will play in 2022. They host Mercer, San Jose State, that return game with Penn State in week three. 
Then they open SEC play with two straight uh, home games, Missouri and LSU. Again, we're not going to sit down and break down, well, you know, Missouri, they're, they're passing attack in 2022. No, we're not doing that. What I will tell you, though, I'm just saying, Missouri – um, or excuse me, Auburn, five straight home games to open SEC play. That is incredible to me. That is inconceivable to me. And then from there, I would say the other team that has a very, very, very advantageous schedule in 2022, it is the Florida Gators. When I tell you the Florida Gators schedule, it is going to blow your mind. Florida plays its first three games at home. That's not that big of a deal. Six of its first seven games are at home in 2022. Six of its first seven, Utah at home, Kentucky at home, South Florida at home. Then they play at Tennessee. Then Eastern Washington, Missouri, LSU. Six of its first seven are at home. Then check this out. They get a bye, and then they play Georgia in Jacksonville. And so of their first, what is that, eight games, they play one outside of the state of Florida and one true road game, which means in September and October, they play one game outside of the state of Florida. That is insane to me. They do have two of their last three are on the road, or excuse me, three of their last four are on the road at AM, South Carolina at home, at Vandy, at Florida State. But six of their first seven are uh, at, um, six of their first seven, excuse me, are in Gainesville. Seven of their first eight are in the state of Florida. Nine games overall in the state of Florida. A couple more reactions. One, Arkansas, they got themselves a legitimately kind of tough out-of-conference schedule, okay? So Arkansas, obviously Sam Pittman, they're playing really well. Uh, kind of an incredible turnaround under Sam Pittman. I've talked about it on this show. But they're out of conference slate. They play Cincinnati in week one. Then, this is a weird one to me, middle of October, they go to BYU, and credit BYU, getting an SEC team in Provo in the middle of October, but it's going to be cold, it's going to be dark, um, it's going to be at altitude. That is a really tough game for Arkansas in the middle of SEC play, has to go to BYU, and then in middle of November, they play Liberty at home. If Liberty still has U-Freeze, they're going to be rolling. I don't know if they'll have U-Freeze, but they will be rolling one way or the other. That BYU game really stood out to me as well. Arkansas also a little bit of a quirky schedule as well. From September 17th until November 5th, they play just one home game. Now, that one home game is Alabama. But September 24th, they play A&M on a neutral site. Then they play Alabama at home. Then they play at Mississippi State, at BYU, by at Auburn. So from September 17th to November 5th, just one home game game that's a span of what eight weeks seven weeks something like that uh only other thing that i really saw that kind of piqued my interest it doesn't it always feel like tennessee gets the short end of the stick with scheduling um and part of it is because they have that yearly rivalry game with alabama but tennessee it feels like they always get the short end of the stick and next year they get it again they play alabama because that's their cross division rivalry game and then they get at lsu and so lsu again we just talked about it with coach O. We will see if Coach O is still there. But uh, just a fascinating thought as on top of the SEC East slate, they have to play at LSU and Alabama at home. All right, with that said, what I want to do now, I want to transition to America's favorite segment. Drum roll, please. Where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. And if you're new to the show, if you haven't been listening in a while, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, yes, it is a total ripoff of 
Colin Cowherd does the same thing where Aaron was right, where, where, where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. And Colin's buddy of mine stole this segment from him. I readily admit it. Uh, but basically, it's basically a chance for me to talk about a few smaller stories that I want to get to. Um, but then also on top of that, it's also a chance for me to take myself down a few levels. Because if you listen to this show, you know nobody loves patting themselves on the back more than your boy Torres. Nobody loves telling you all the things that he got right. So incredible. So great. So awesome. He knows everything about sports, Aaron Torres. No, he does not. No, he does not. I miss a lot of stuff. And so let's get to where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. We will hit on some stuff that I got right and some stuff that I got very, very, very wrong. First off, where Aaron was right. How about my dogs? My dogs. All right. Love the Georgia Bulldogs. And in the preseason, I picked them to win the national championship. I got laughed at. I got scoffed. I got some mean Twitter mentions. Uh, but Georgia looks really good. And I know they haven't, you know, relative to Alabama going to the swamp, they haven't really played their toughest SEC games ahead. But part of the reason I picked Georgia was I said, if they get by Clemson, the schedule opens up really nicely. And even if they don't get by Clemson, it's not a be-all end-all. Well, they get by Clemson and they open SEC play by absolutely destroying what I believe to be a pretty good South Carolina team, 40-13 to 13 at home last week. And now the schedule really opens up for them. They don't have Ole Miss, who I think is very dangerous. They don't have Alabama. They don't have Texas A&M. Uh, they do have Arkansas in two weeks, which all of a sudden looks more difficult than we expected. And, of course, they play at Auburn. Kentucky and Florida in the division will not be easy. But I told you, I said Kirby Smart knows this is the window. He has the quarterback with JT Daniels. He went out, took some high-risk transfers because he basically said, this is it. This has to be the year. Alabama has a first-year starting quarterback. Oklahoma has a first-year starting quarterback. Clemson has a first-year starting quarterback. We have to make our move now. They have done it. They have looked like, to me, through three weeks, the best team in college football. No disrespect to Alabama, who's awesome. No disrespect to Oregon, who's awesome. But there can only be one best team, and my dogs, they look really, really, really good. But that said, where Aaron was wrong. How about them Florida Gators? How about them Gators? Chomping, chomping at the bit here. Uh, I will say this. In the preseason, I said Florida was the SEC team that I expected to take a major step back. Uh, I said, look, they had Kyle Trask last year who got drafted by the Tampa Bay Bucks. They had Kyle Pitts, top five pick, who's now with the Atlanta Falcons. Kadarius Toney, who looks awesome in the NFL. Trevon Grimes. This is the year Florida takes a step back. Last year was their window. They lose their final three games. LSU at home. SEC championship game to Alabama. Cotton Bowl to Oklahoma. It's over. That was the window for Florida. They are going to take a major step back. I, yeah, I was wrong. They looked awesome last week against Alabama, and I talked about it on Monday's show, but their ability to run the ball against Alabama and their ability to stop the run. They just look like a bunch of grown men along the line of scrimmage. Now, they do a little bit differently than a lot of places. They took a lot of transfers in the offseason. I think I heard they had like a guy basically enroll the week of the first game or something like that, but Florida looks really good. And, you know, uh, part of the reason I like Georgia so much was because I thought they would be down in the division. But now I could see the scenario where Florida, if you look at their schedule, they are going to be favored in every one of their games in the lead up to that Georgia game here in a couple weeks. They're a 20-point favorite against, uh, against Tennessee this week. Then they play at Kentucky next week, Vanderbilt at LSU. They're going to be favored in every single one of those games heading into the Georgia game on October 30th in Jacksonville. Credit to the Georgia Bulldogs, where Aaron was right. Oklahoma, 
Listen, I said in the preseason, I said, we are giving, there is way too much Oklahoma buzz, okay? They get hot, end of the year, they struggle early, start one and two, they lose at, uh, they lose to Kansas State at home, they lose at, at Iowa State. They're basically out of the playoff picture before the playoff picture even started to formulate, but they get hot late last year, and everybody loves them coming into 2022. And I said, like, can we pump the brakes a little bit on Oklahoma? I know the defense was good late, but it wasn't very good early. I know Spencer Rattler was good right late, but it wasn't very good. He wasn't very good early. And now we're here with Oklahoma. They played three games, two against FBS opponents, and they could have lost both of them. Could have lost to Tulane, could have lost to Nebraska this past weekend. I do think Nebraska is improving. Want to give Scott Frost a little bit of credit. We'll see because they play at Michigan State this weekend. But Oklahoma, I'm telling you, I, I, you know, I start talking about the best teams that I've seen. Oklahoma's pretty far down the list. So far to me, I mean, think about all the SEC teams that have been more impressive than Oklahoma. Georgia, Alabama. I would argue Ole Miss has been more impressive. Not saying they're better, but they've been impressive. Arkansas has been more impressive. Outside of the SEC, uh, you know, you got to give credit to a school like Penn State's been awesome. Iowa's been awesome. Florida, even in a loss, has been awesome. Cincinnati's been awesome. So, you know, I just bring it up to say there was way too much hype. Now, I'm not saying they can't get it right by the end of the year. What I am saying, though, is like a little too much hype for a school that has never won a college football playoff game, let alone a national championship in this modern era. Didn't understand it. Didn't like it. Oklahoma thought they were always overrated coming into the year. Where Aaron was wrong. How about them Utah Utes? Said in the preseason, I thought Utah was the preseason favorite to win the Pac-12. Thought they were going to be awesome. They bring back everybody except for their starting quarterback. Well, no problem. They get this kid Charlie Brewer in. He's from Baylor. He threw for 9,000 yards over the course of his career. Oh, uh, yeah, not so good. B Utah is now 1-2. Losses at BYU at San Diego State. They are 1-2. And, and Charlie Brewer, the savior, is in the transfer portal. And I'm not going to do the whole like transfer portal bit here. I've said it a million times. You guys know where I stand. I think there are perfectly legitimate reasons to enter the transfer portal, to enter the portal, to leave your college. And I think Charlie Brewer had a, had a good reason to do so. He got recruited by, to Baylor by Matt Rule. Matt Rule leaves for the NFL. Doesn't work out under Dave Aranda last year. Go, to the, go, go hit the portal. Find a place that fits for you. But Utah took a chance on him. He took a chance on Utah. It's clearly not working. And now he's in the portal. I just don't like it. I will not like in the middle of the season quitting on your team because you got benched. Maybe it's the best thing for Utah. One and two, listen, there's no reason they can't win the Pac-12. They have not played a Pac-12 game yet, but they have not looked like the team that I thought they would. Uh, where Aaron was right. Remember I told you about three weeks ago, four weeks ago? We had kind of all just assumed this 12-team college football playoff was a wrap. It was done. It was going to be done. I said, wait a second now. I said these other conferences are going to push back on the SEC. Nobody outside of the SEC and Texas and Oklahoma, who are now officially members, liked the move that Greg Sankey pulled, stabbing the Big 12 in the back to get Texas and Oklahoma. Nobody liked it. It was dirty. It was gross. But at the same time, I understand why Oklahoma did it. I understand why Texas did it. And I understand why the SEC did it. Texas and Oklahoma wanted out. And if they didn't go to the SEC, they would have gone to the Big 10. They would have gone to the Pac-12. And the bottom line remains... The SEC did what it had to do. But at the same time, I said, now that it's happened, nobody is going to go out of their way to help the SEC, especially in an expanded playoff where the SEC has the most to gain. 
where the SEC in any given year might have six, seven, not six, seven, but four, five, maybe six teams in an SEC playoff. Well, there was a story that came out this week, Dennis Dodd, CBS, where he basically said, look, these guys and girls, all the stakeholders in college football, were supposed to get together next week, September 28th, to kind of talk about the expanded college football playoff. Now, there is so much animosity between all the parties, specifically the SEC and everybody else, that they may not even have this meeting. And that the, the SEC and, the, or excuse me, that the college football playoff expansion is on the back burner. The Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC are not happy. The Big 12 is certainly not happy. And I don't think we're getting an expanded playoff anytime soon. I think cooler heads have to prevail. I think everybody has to calm down. But right now, the blood is still bad with the SEC. By the way, when you see a team like Penn State win against Auburn, when you see a team like Oregon get a big win, you notice how you know they're talking the talk right now? Because they're very unhappy with how everything went down with the SEC everything like that real quickly where Aaron was right uh where Aaron was wrong excuse me I was right on the playoff wrong on Ohio State I said CJ Stroud in the preseason listen I told you on this show um you know I talked to a former all pro NFL wide receiver pro bowler said I work out with CJ Stroud in the offseason kid is amazing kid is a stud well Ohio State's good CJ Stroud's not to blame but they are struggling right now Barely hold on to beat Tulsa, lose to Oregon. They play Akron this week before opening uh, Big Ten play, reopening it because they open with Minnesota. This is not a very good football team right now. I think they're at best right now. The third, maybe fourth best team, by the way. Michigan all of a sudden is starting to look really good. Michigan State looking good as well. Penn State and Iowa have established themselves early, both with with out of both with wins over ranked teams, two ranked teams, as a matter of fact. Iowa, two wins over ranked teams. Penn State wins over two ranked teams. Finally, where Aaron was right, and where Aaron was wrong. So I haven't really talked. I don't talk much NBA on this podcast. But something I talked a lot about on my radio show during the summertime was Ben Simmons. Where Aaron was right on Ben Simmons. Uh, and where Aaron was wrong on Ben Simmons. This story is fascinating. So we get the report on Tuesday that Ben Simmons isn't reporting to training camp. And what I would say is this. This is my Ben Simmons take. Ben Simmons, you're not good enough to not report, Okay. I get these guys that are demanding trades that don't want to be where they're supposed to be, all that good stuff. I didn't like what Anthony Davis did, but I understood it. He gave New Orleans six, seven years, couldn't get the job done. He says, I'm not playing for you anymore. Um, I understood uh, whoever. You know, you go through the guys that got traded. Carmelo Anthony basically told the Denver Nuggets, you could, you could, you could keep me if you want, but I'm leaving in the offseason, and it's up to you if you want to trade me and get something back. There are legitimate reasons to demand a trade there are legitimate reasons to ask out, and there's legitimate reasons just to want to start over. Ben Simmons does not have those legitimate reasons, okay? Gets drafted by Philly. Philly supported him, nurtured him, all that stuff. They bring in Doc Rivers. They're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference last year, and the reason they did not make the Eastern Conference Finals was because of Ben Simmons. He couldn't make a free throw. He wouldn't even take a shot late in those games. They blow multiple late leads in that series and if Ben Simmons plays like an all-star then Ben Simmons they go to the Eastern Conference Finals at home they have the home court advantage over Milwaukee who knows they might even be in the NBA Finals if you think about it because remember Giannis was hurt for part of those Eastern Conference Finals and so I am so over like you know I, I try not to do like the just crush the professional athlete thing but when you talk about a guy Ben Simmons what are you like like why are you demanding a trade 
You're the reason. You're the problem. Look yourself in the mirror. Get it fixed where Aaron was right um, and where Aaron was wrong. I didn't think he'd actually have the guts to go through with a trade, and I don't understand why he does. Why does he have a, Why does he go through a trade? I don't get it. I don't get it. All right. I think that's it for today's Aaron Sports Podcast. Another fun episode. I'm amazing. Uh, that's going to be all for today's show. Before we get out of here, want to remind everybody a couple things. First of all, make sure AaronTorresOnline.com. A couple articles up there every day. You know, I'm not doing as much writing. I'm more in an administrative role, but we have really good NFL writers. We have really good, uh, co- you know, I do my college football picks every Wednesday, so those will be up later today. And then from there, um, you know, Aaron underscore, to- or, or we'll get to the social media in a minute. But uh, from there, also the College Football Gambling Podcast, for those of you who have done, who have, who have, subscribe to that one as well the numbers continue to go up so thank you for the support of that show and really quickly thank you for the support of the Aaron Torres sports podcast blown away by the number of you who continue to listen to this Uh, for those of you who have been with me from the KSR days uh, you know listen when I left KSR I didn't know what the future held uh, but very excited and very happy with the number of you that continue to listen to the show big announcements coming in the next few weeks uh, we we got some really cool stuff coming. We got some uh, sponsors coming that I'm excited to talk to you about. Uh, maybe 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 some merchandise. Maybe some AT Pod merchandise. Uh, uh, you know I have some cool stuff in the works. So stay tuned. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you are following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. If you have any questions for the show, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. If you have any questions for the show, again, a lot of really cool stuff coming in the next few weeks. So make sure to stay tuned here and Aaron Torres Online.com as well. That is all for today's show. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. I will be back on Friday with a new episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. New episode Thursday, college football betting with Aaron Torres. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.